Welcome again to another episode of The Ryan Show. I'm joined by Impatient Bull, also known as Chris Connor. And we're going to be talking about something that I have been pretty hard on the last few years, the Pelicans, the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, Pelicans are in action tonight against the Grizzlies in New Orleans. And Chris, welcome to the podcast. Um, Man, pleasure to be on. When a few weeks ago, I, I, I'm uh, also sometimes jump in on the uh, Twitter spaces after the games. We talked about how everyone was talking about like CJ McCollum, uh, or you know, when we were trying to figure out who was going to come here, people were throwing out names like Eric Gordon and CJ McCollum. And I explained, you know, I kind of like briefly said, you know, you want to get someone that wants to be here and wants to contribute to this team, which has been playing some good basketball as of late. When they got when everyone when they got CJ McCollum, I saw a quote in the paper where he talked about he had been part of eight straight playoff appearances. He wants to get to number nine which means that he has been in the playoffs in every single every single year he's been in the league he's been in the playoffs and i said that when that was the first time i ever heard a player an acquisition a new acquisition coming to new orleans saying something like that yeah man no, no i you know i think that um cj cj brings something that you know, I don't think that New Orleans is really like New Orleans basketball has really seen. I'm not even talking about just as a player, but just as a, you know, just as a person, this, this part in his career, you know, um, you know, we're talking about somebody that's, uh, you know, I think could be entering a different kind of prime considering how uh, his game is set up in the way <laughs> that he attacks players. But, you know, part of the reason that you were interested in CJ is just the person, the man. Uh, the mentality that he brings and uh, the experience, the playoff experience, the leadership. And there's just, a, there's just a calm about him when you listen to him talk. And the minute that he arrived, it's just nothing seems to really shake him. And that was before we even saw, you know, the uh, Players' Tribune article where he mentions why he wanted to come to New Orleans and him talking about it in his first press conference. Um, and yeah, I mean, Ryan, I mean, it takes a level of self-awareness, but also like, competitive competitiveness to say all right well I've made the playoffs for eight years eight years in a row I plan on getting there a ninth here's a team that hasn't made the playoffs in like the last four years or the past four seasons um I feel confident in what they have here even without a Zion Williamson or the uncertainty in that to say you know what I feel confident in what they have today for me to be a part of that and I want to be a part of it like you have to have an open mind, given the criticism and all the all the different smoke that you know that comes, all the negativity that comes sometimes out of you know out of that building or surrounding the building from outside sources, whether they're there or not. Um, but I think that it's just shown some of the different things that have changed, the uh, the growth in some of the players, the way that locker room looks, and uh, some of the things that David Griffin in the front office has done along with the wonderful job that the coaching staff and Willie Green is doing. So, I mean, it, 
like that's not little. CJ saying that someone who's you know who's uh what president or vice president, what whatever he is in a players association, like he has a lot of pool, man. He has a lot of reach, a lot of influence. And you know, I, I wouldn't take that lightly. I definitely agree with I definitely agree with that, um, Chris, because I think with New Orleans, basketball in New Orleans, you know, I, I kind of use this analogy like the perfect example because I follow college basketball and stuff. I think about South Carolina basketball, like the Gamecocks. And the narrative was, well, you know, you talk, I have family in South Carolina, people in South Carolina are like, well, people in South Carolina don't care about basketball. Like they don't care about basketball. And I was like, um, they do care about. It. It's just that there hasn't been anything that gave that gave people in South Carolina a chance to, you know, to cheer about. And it's the same thing with the Pelicans. It's like the narrative has always been, well, this city doesn't care about basketball. This city does care about basketball, but you have to give them a chance, give them something to believe in. And to see people on my timeline actually go to games, tweet out, hey, we're at the Pelicans game. That that right there is a microcosm of what um, New Orleans can be as a basketball city. Well, you know, I think what's what's interesting and it's going to be interesting going forward is that, like, you know, I always hear people saying, I talk about it all the time, people people say, you know, New Orleans is a, you know, is a um, is a city driven by the Saints. And sure, that is the case. Um, but it's not like this team, you know, the uh, the momentum, the attention, the love and the fan base that is there for the Saints today was like this. 20 years ago right or even pre if you want to go pre Sean Payton like you know you know we're talking about it took time it took the right people in the building even through the struggling years even without a championship it took a level of consistency and just you know a level of of respectability as you know building through building familiar faces um you know consecutive playoff appearances that type of thing and I think overall you know, you end up changing a lot of narratives. Now people don't look at the Saints the same way they did 20 years ago. Well, now you look at the Pelicans, who's only been in the city for 20 years and have been through so many different levels of inconsistency and back and forth and up and downs, ownership changes, uh, coaching changes, player changes, negative negative things said by players, ugly exits. Um, you know, you know, it, it, it puts a, it adds a, you know, a level of like disdain that, whether it's fair or not, that comes with the Pelicans, comes with people, how they fight. Because, you know, I mean, people love basketball in the city. Like, they really do. Like, even, even if it's a Saints town, it's a basketball town to me. That's how I, that's how I look at New Orleans. You can, find, you can find a game in so many different places, inside, outside, uptown, that, like, you know, over east. You know, wherever you want to go, somebody hooping. And, you know, I just think that um, – you know, you need the right level of, you know, relatability and the right level of reliability from the franchise, from, you know, you know, connecting with people, connecting with the fans um, and a level of honesty that I think they're trying to get through. And 
through everything, through, through all the up and downs and the non, you know, and the, you know, the controversies that's come with David Griffin, the, what the franchise has been trying to do since Anthony Davis left, I think they've made some of the biggest changes and forward leaps than you arguably could say that they did, you know, any year prior from marketing to, you know, to, to music, to some of the things they've tried to do with, you know, with uh, bringing in, bringing in certain folks, front office changes, the, the medical staff, the, um, you know, uh, bringing in a guy like Antonio Daniels to be, he's not just, not just even color commentary, he's a spokesperson damn near. You know what I mean? Uh, Joe Myers, who, you know, was a great, great, great guy in the broadcasting, well, in the broadcasting field. They've, you know, they've elevated a lot of different things and they're still growing. It's still some things that they can do that they need to do to relate to the people, the everyday people that are there to get them to come to the games. Because it's not like in football, man, to where, you know, you only got to, you only got to show up one day. Basketball is every other day, three, four times a week. Like if the team isn't winning, it's hard to maintain that level of attendance or consistency that you want. And because it's the Pelicans, they get more of a negative shine because so many they're not they're not the worst team in the NBA in attendance in regards to you know like you know Brooklyn Brooklyn is, is at the bottom of attendance every year and they've been even before they got Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving when they made the playoffs that last year with D'Angelo Russell and company they didn't have a good year in attendance Houston you know Houston like bad teams it, it's, it's it's what comes with it um. But the goal is, and what I'm seeing people trying to do, and AD's talking about it, and we're talking about it in space, is changing the narrative. It's changing the national narrative and even the narrative that exists inside the city, in the region. Um, and I think, like you mentioned, man, people showing up to the game, showing, showing pictures, showing videos, talk, giving tickets, talking about tickets. Like, we do this together as a community. And I think, slowly but surely, it's just a really good, it's a really good time because the team is changing. They're gonna be in playoff contention. They're making, you know, they've made moves to better the team, better the roster. Um, just the energy is building, I think, in the right way in all areas. Um, and it's just, you know, it's beautiful to see. And I think in time that will help change the narrative similar to what you compared it to, you know, with South Carolina. I think the one thing, a, a perfect analogy, like if you wanna talk about in, in pro sports, you look at like, for example, like in Montreal, they had the team, the, the old Montreal Expos, and they were in a city that was always dominated by hockey, but it was a really good baseball town. And people, people were heartbroken when the Expos left Montreal. And the thing that they always called Montreal, the, the Expos, they were like, they called the Expos our loves. They loved the Expos. It was a hockey town, but it was a really good baseball town. And the thing is, with New Orleans, with the Pelicans, it never felt like the team felt like it belonged to New Orleans. I never, it never felt like that. Whereas I'm from Memphis and the Grizzlies, it always felt like that was Memphis's team. That always felt, it always felt like it was Memphis team, Memphis's team. With people in this city, with New Orleans, the Pelicans never felt that way. And it was always, you know, you had a guy like Anthony Davis that didn't want to be here. You had a guy like Eric Gordon that didn't want to be here. And I remember telling someone, I got to 
um, I remember when I first moved here, and I was like looking around, and I'm like, damn, I don't, I hardly see anybody wearing Pelican jerseys. You know, people in the in the community wearing Pelican jerseys. Um, they used to have a thing called a bar crew, and I remember meeting some people that were Pelican fans at those bar crew events. But apart outside of that, I never felt like the team was New Orleans team. It always just felt like, it just never felt like it was uniquely New Orleans. And you think about what D uh, Saint Soldier said on, 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 on Twitter, she was like, hey, y'all gotta put an ad a local flavor when you all, uh, during the games. Like Memphis, you got Al Capone and Three Six Mafia, part of uh, part of the Grizzlies uh, culture. They are doing those things with getting currency into the into the fold, but it's still, you know, I, I think now, and I agree with you on this, that it does feel like the, the the narrative is changing. But the thing that also helps is if you go on a consistent if you're consist constantly in the playoffs, because that's what happened with the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies went to the playoffs six straight years. And in that span, it created fans. And also the Grizzlies were out and about in the community. You could, the players were out and about in the communities. They were doing things like paying people's light bills and things of that nature. You know, you don't really see that here in New Orleans. Well, you know, I mean, I mean, look, you know, you have to, um, you know, the players got to feel like they're proud to be a part of the organization as well. You know, so, I mean, that's why, man, it's just, it's bigger. It's bigger than all, than just one situation, than one setup. Everybody, you know, can do their, you know, can, can do their part in their role, right? Of course, end of the day, you need a level of consistency. That definitely matters. And sometimes, you know, I think, you know, past, past regimes, past, past organizations, I mean, what, like the most that the Pelicans slash Hornets in my, you know, from my memory, I think the, they've made the playoffs, I want to say on two different occasions, back-to-back times, and I think that's it. Uh, like, they did. They, they went back-to-back, I think, when they first got here. And then when they first got here. When when they first got here, and I'm looking at, let me look at that up yeah. right now. But even uh, but even even if it's anything beyond, and I and I think that because because it's either a they made it back to back, maybe they made it three times, but I believe I believe they made it back to back times. Okay, was, all right. I'm looking at I'm looking it up. Uh, 2002, 2003. They went when they first moved here. They went in back to back years, um, and they lost in the first round. Then they did it again. In back-to-back years, when they won the division title, and then they lost the uh, the conference semifinals to the Spurs, and yeah. then they lost to the Nuggets in the in the very next year. They lost to Car- uh, Car- uh, Carmelo Anthony and 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 the Nuggets, and then they lost again in the first round to the Lakers. So think so, about so think about what you just said. Like I mean, like you talking about a Grizzlies team that made it, that made it six straight times, and you talking about a you know a Pelicans franchise, a Hornets slash Pelicans slash Hornets franchise that you know at best are able to string every few years, every four, five, six years, however many years it is, they get they get a couple 
and then and, and then a change has to happen. A player leaves, something bad happens. Like, you know, it feels like every time you're in a situation where you may be ready, ready to break through, something happens, but you can't too often it's been relied on the star the, the star power and the players to hold, you know, to hold that up. Um, I think now they're changing that. They're changing that with some of the things they, they're attempting to do with, you know, with marketing. There's so many more things they could do, bro. The fans will tell you, they've been saying it for years, so many different things from soldier rags to, you know, different, you know, to different artists. I don't understand how, like, there wasn't like a gritty night, right? The dude that made the gritty, that made it famous is from New Orleans. Why is, you know, it's, it's a little bit late. It's like, I feel like, I feel like what they want to do, they want to try to market to, them folks out there in Lakeview. I feel like they want to do that. They always, someone told me the reason why they sign guys like JJ Reddick is because they want to market to those people out there in Lakeview. And I didn't really understand what he meant by that because I felt like, okay, those people in Lakeview are still gonna go to those games. They don't care about if JJ Reddick is on that team or, or not. But he did make a point about it. You know, I feel like they want to market to white folks. And that's not how you do it. You gotta you gotta market to people all across the board. Why don't you have Tank and the Bangers uh, come up with a, a theme song for the Pelicans? You know, uh, Al Capone, you see Al Capone at Grizz games. Why don't you have like, you know, like, like a, a Pelicans drum, like things of that nature. It, it's like, that's why I say it, it never felt like the Pelicans belong to the city. Because you see with the Saints, they have, they, they go all out in embracing the city and embracing the city's culture. I, I mean, and you know, look, I just think that, um, I think the Pelicans have had to have some harsh lessons, man. They've had to have some harsh lessons. And I think they're learning. Um, I think, you know, the guys from, from the social media team is getting better. You know, the way that marketing is reaching out to people to kind of hear what they're saying, the way everybody is, you know, is, is banding together, you know, um, you know, by basically saying, asking for the same things, you know, I think it's all going to, it's all going to um, coincide with the team, with what the basketball team on the floor is doing. And some of the changes the front like i don't think all of that is like a coincidence so um i just you know i think that i get the feeling that people in those in those buildings they care more now today than they ever did or understand more now than they ever did and it's gonna take some time i mean memphis wasn't always no i mean because like I, mean? I said like i i think i explained on your on your space nobody wanted to go to memphis when I, uh, when the Grizzlies first got to Memphis, that was a place where if you were on the end, on the downturn of your career, you went there just to get a check. You weren't going to win. You just went there because it was in the league. Um, it was in the league. And looking at it now, looking at it now, um, looking at it now, it's it's the, the dynamic has changed. I mean, you look at like Chris Webber, when Chris Webber first went to Sacramento, nobody wanted to go to Sacramento, but he changed the, they, he changed the narrative in Sacramento. And look at what Sacramento did 
when he was there, you know, during that, that era of basketball. So one player can always change the narrative, but also everybody got to have the same vision, the ownership, the front office, ownership, front office, coaching staff, and it goes down to the players. And I mean, again, I, you know, I think that they're, you know, they're doing that by having, uh, I mean, even, even how, how interactive, you know, guy, you know, people like Aaron Summers have been. People like Antonio Daniels will talk to anybody. He will go on any show. He will pull up, you know, he will be on any podcast. He hears the things that the fans are asking for. He hears, and in one way or another, slowly but surely, those things, those things get get passed on. Um, you know, but you know, again, I, you know, I think I really believe four years from now, um, we'll be talking about a new inter, you know, iteration of, you know, where the team is at, you know, is what the team is doing what the franchise has been able to do. But man, I mean, I think at the end of the, the end of the day, so many people would, you know, would just are, are tired of hearing that, you know, their, their franchise isn't any good, that they're not a passionate fan base, that they're not a sports, that they're not a sports, uh, they're not a basketball town. They're tired of people, people saying move to Seattle, move here, move there. I think what a lot of the negative attention has done um, it's kind of brought people together to say, okay, listen, we, this is how we actually feel. We actually do like the team. We actually do like basketball. We actually do know what we're talking about, but here's why we're upset. Here's what, here's, here's where the disconnect is. And now I think you're seeing a lot of those things being addressed and it just so happens in the meantime that you got a chance to have some, some really good things happen with your basketball team from your coach to the rookies you're drafting to what, you know, to your all-star, um, you know, be- becoming becoming a superstar in front of your eyes and doing the thing that, that people always wondered if you would be able to do in New Orleans and Brandon Ingram. Now you trade for another all-star and a great leader at the right time, TJ McCollum, Jonas Valanciunas, some of your other young guys from past draft class are playing, you know, playing well in certain spots, Jackson Hayes. I think they're building. And, um the communication, it just feels like it's been so much better in a lot of different areas. So um, I wouldn't even say, you know, we're, we're in a critical time, but I really do get the feeling that things, things are changing and the energy is becoming different, even going to the game. Mm-hmm. They're attempting. And slowly, as things, as the momentum continues to build, as they continue to have chances to win and they really become a good basketball team, you, you – you're going to be able to see a situation or see a moment where things completely turn and pop. Um, and um, I think it feels good to, you know, to be a part of feeling like we're heading towards that point. One last thing, your thoughts on tonight's game. I know John Morant is out. Um, your thoughts on today, on tonight's game. Well, you know, I mean, uh, you know, look, Ryan, I mean, Memphis has been a team that, um, that has played well, whether they've been healthy or not, like they, they don't, they don't make a lot of excuses. They play really good on the road as well. Um, you know, hell, one of the reasons they, they're even in this situation right now in the West is because how they played earlier in the year when John Moran eventually, you know, it, uh, originally goes out for a few weeks, and how they band together and show the talent that they have around him: Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr., Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks is out tonight as well, I believe. But uh, the, you know, the period and just the the myriad of guys that they've been able to draft 
So they've been able to acquire and break in. Steven Adams has been a good fit for them. Tyus Jones, like they continue to find quality players and nobody seems to overcompensate them, whether they're in full strength or one guy is missing a star players and there someone else seems to pick things up. So um, Pelicans, uh, they were able to rest a lot of key guys last night um, against Toronto after, after unexpectedly in a lot of ways blowing them out. So they should have, they should have their legs, but they can't come out flat and they can't expect Memphis to be any less of a, you know, of the team that we, that we've seen them be even with Josh. It's going to look different. The point of emphasis is going to change, but they play hard. They play smart and the principles don't change. Um, even if Jaws not the guy that's this, you know, that's stirring the drink, they got to come out. They got to play with the same energy that, that they played with last night. Defensively, um, they can't rely at all. They can't put it all on what they can do offensively or what they've been able to show since CJ's arrived. If they come out there and they defend, they dominate the areas that they're supposed to. It's a game that they should win, but Memphis has proven all year that no matter who's out there, no matter who their opponent is, they cannot be taken lightly. And they're there, you know, to contend in the Western Conference. And they're, and they're proving that. So um, I definitely think it's a game the Pelicans should win. I feel, I feel confident about their chances, but they're going to have to come out motivated. And look, I mean, they, they win the game tonight. They're a half game out of the 10th seed again. Because they beat Portland earlier in the year, they'll have identical records with Portland with the win tonight, and they'll be right back there in the 10th seed. And ironically, Memphis plays Portland tomorrow. So you might have a chance to set yourself up tonight to get even a little bit more room uh, or get, get yourself room uh, with a victory tonight. Memphis, you know, should be, um, should be energized to play. And if they don't and, – and if you beat them tonight, you know that they're going to come out hungry and ready to play Portland tomorrow night. So, um, yeah, man, I, I think it's a game that New Orleans should be able to win. Hopefully they come out with the right energy. Brandon Ingram and TJ look, to, look like they unlocked something very special last night um, with the way that B.I. was able to move the ball and be relaxed on offense, pick his spots, but not really even have to be all that aggressive scoring. CJ just opens up so much. Jonas had a good game. If, they, if they're able to duplicate that but be energized defensively, um, they should be in good shape. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. One thing I will ask, one last thing before I let you go. Can the Grizzlies and Pelicans be a, a, a good rivalry in the NBA? Sure. No, I mean, after I, mean, I, I don't see why yeah. it can't be because, I mean, you know, the city, both cities have played um, in, the, uh, in minor league baseball for about 100, over 100 years. Um Interstate 55 is five hours to the north. I mean, they're basically mirror cities and mirror franchises. I don't see why, you know, the Grizzlies and Pelicans can't be big, you know, rival, like a, can, can't be a fierce rival, yeah. rivalry just in the same lens as like it is with the Rockets and Mavericks and the Mavericks and Spurs and and uh, Mavericks and Spurs, Rockets and Mavericks, and then the Rockets, Rockets, uh, the Rockets and uh, Spurs. Yeah. And I want you know it should be the same thing because both teams have been in their respective cities for twenty years, and I always wondered, well, why can't that be a fierce rivalry? Because most Grizz fans they hated the Clippers. Uh, they hated the Clippers. They never had that big rival. 
like with the Bulls, you had the Knicks. The Bulls and Knicks was a big rivalry. But I think NBA, in the NBA, rivalries are very different as it is in, in, a, in the NFL and in college sports. Well, yeah, because the players, you know, the players move around a lot more. Um, and, you know, in you know, these years, especially, if, you know, the small markets, you're not, you're not able to, to lock, uh, you're not able to lock certain players up in the same, like in the, in the NFL, like you're at the, you're at the mercy of, of your general manager, of your owner nine times out of 10, right? And there's not the guaranteed money to go around as, you know, as much. Um, and markets just, for whatever reason, they just don't matter the same way that, that they do um, when, when you're talking in basketball. Players have just made it that way. I mean, it's just, you know, that's the ramifications of what of where the sport has went due to um, a bunch of a bunch of different reasons. But my point being is that even if it's for a few years, right, you look at there's so many similarities or it should be with the talents, what they're trying to do with how they Memphis. Memphis has a lot more homegrown talent than, say, the New Orleans does right now. But that could end up changing. They've had guys that have been there that have kind of made New Orleans their home. They could make their they could make New Orleans their home for a long time. Um, they both seem to have really, you know, really respected coaches. But Taylor Jenkins has been doing it, um, you know, longer, a lot longer than Willie Green has as a head coach at this point. Um, I mean, look, even you know, even in the cities, man, even even the cities in Memphis and New Orleans have some similarities from you know from from music to, you know, some of the lessons to, you know, you know, to hip hop, to some of, you know, they're both known for different things food wise, right? Bourbon Street, Bill Street, mm -hmm. how close they are. Um, you know, you know, some of the, you know, some of the art and um, just the overall history between the two and the people that have come, that have come out there. Both cities have, you know, in my opinion, amazing cultures. So yeah, I mean, it's, you know, and if Zion's able to, you know, able to get healthy and he's there Zion and Ja is is, is box office but even without um I think those are teams those are definitely two teams that could you know that could be a rivalry and it would be great for the sport to you know in my opinion you know two small smaller markets um you know going against what you normally used to with the bigger you know the Boston and such and such the LA you know the you know the LA New York situation that people want right Chicago and New York at some point, as you end up mentioning, mentioning Miami for, you know, for, for a period of time. Um, you know, it's just, it's so many different, this would just be unique and different in its own right. Um, and I, you know, I, it would be something that I would hope would happen, but fortunately for, for Pelicans fans, if it, if it's anything, the only way it can be a rivalry is head to head is for Memphis to win a few games, you know, on one side, you know, uh, Memphis has made the playoffs or been in playoff reach ever since John Moran has entered the league. New Orleans hasn't been able to do that since Anthony Davis left. But head to head, there's been no contest. I think the only since uh, in the past, what, coming into this year, what, the past three seasons, I think Memphis has won one game. And that was the first time that they ended up squaring off. So uh, you definitely have something there. And that's something that, that's one reason why Pelicans fans get so excited about it. And you you go on Twitter, Memphis, Memphis talk about it all the time. It's like, man, New Orleans don't beat anybody else, they beat us. So what would help that hopefully outside of New Orleans continuing to beat Memphis is New Orleans able to, you know, get, you know, put together some playoff appearances themselves. 
um, and being in striking distance or in the area of Memphis to where you can maybe see a situation where you can, you know, you can think about a potential playoff series, which I, like I said, I, I think it'll be great. It'll be great for the markets, great for the areas, great for the cultures. Um, Memphis versus New Orleans, three, six mafia versus cash money, no limit. I mean, it's so many different things that I think about, man, you know, to make me laugh, you know, you know, uh, you know, the current state of Memphis hip hop and different, you know, RIP Young Dolph, but, um, and what New Orleans has, you know, has also been able to do, or not just, you know, you know, the region in itself with some of the, uh, you know, the hip hop artists and, you know, artists in total that come out of their actors. I mean, it's just like, it's culture wise, there's nothing for me, for my, for my liking, for what I'm used to, for what I would love. There's not a better, there's not a better matchup that I would want to talk about and have a conversation. It's, it's, you can bring it into so many different areas. I hope it does become a rivalry. And I hope that one day we can at least think about, man, what would a playoff series be like? Like we can actually imagine it. And, you know, look, um, hopefully this year we get a little bit closer to that. Well, look, thank you so much for dropping by the podcast. Folks, the podcast will be up on Wednesday morning on all podcast platforms. CastBox is one that carries the podcast, folks. Uh, I know my partner in crime, Steph, was asking because she's in Canada, Chris. They don't have Apple Podcasts up there in Canada, but you can get the podcast on Podcast Addict, CastBox, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Podchaser. Podchaser, as well as Apple Podcasts and Spreaker Podcast Player. Anchor also carries the podcast. So, Chris, thank you for dropping by the podcast. Folks, thank you for your time this time. And until next time, we'll see you down the road.